Welcome to the Family's First Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping parents, grandparents, and other caregivers develop a lasting, resilient faith in the lives of the children they love. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our ministries, resources, and conferences that equip the home and the church to serve kids, visit our website, cogop.org children. Well, hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Family's First Podcast. My name is Sean McKinley, and I will be one of the co-hosts for this podcast, which is brought to you by International Children's Ministries of the Church of God of Prophecy. Our ministry proudly serves over 14,000 churches in 135 nations with resources and training for those who serve children in the church. And over the past several years, we've expanded the scope of our mission to include parents, grandparents, and caregivers in developing a resilient faith in the lives of the children that they love. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. In just a moment, I'll introduce you to today's special guests. But first, I want to take a moment on this first episode to introduce you to two of our other co-hosts who you'll get to know today and throughout future episodes. First, I want to introduce you to Joy Hensley. Hey, Joy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Excited to be here. Love the podcasts. <laughs> I know. It's so good to have you with us. Joy serves in our office as the English language training specialist for our ministry. So, Joy, why don't you just take a moment to say hello to everybody and tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, as Sean just said, I serve here as the English language training specialist which means I get to do a lot of different fun things, such as getting ready for our trainings and events. And also sometimes I get to help with content and resource development, which is also very fun and exciting for me. Um, I also serve at my local church as the children's pastor there. And that is probably one of the greatest blessings in my life is just getting to be part of the lives of the kids and the families there that I have the privilege to serve. So I'm excited to be here today and have this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Joy, for being a part of this podcast. Joy is also a graduate of Lee University, uh, having earned a master's in children's ministry, and she puts that to excellent use, blessing our network and our listeners here on the podcast. Joy and I, for several years, have hosted a podcast specifically for children's ministers. You can find it wherever you access your podcast by searching for Developing Leaders, Impacting Kids. Also with us today is our other co-host, Pastor Jonathan Oliveria. Jonathan serves as our Child Discipleship and Faith Formation Specialist, which is a brand new position that's entirely committed to supporting families and caregivers and sharing their faith. So welcome, Jonathan. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and all that you're currently involved in? Thank you so much, Sean. I'm really excited to be a part of this work uh, and very excited for uh, launching this new podcast. Uh the work that we'll be doing uh, together um, has a lot to do with supporting uh, families uh, through the local church. Uh, we want to make sure that our families are fully supported with resources and strategies and tips uh, and empowerment uh, to help them disciple their own children. Um, and we want to come alongside as a church, as a movement, uh, to give them all of that support uh, and also just see Christ formed in each and every one of them. Excellent. Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan is a lead pastor of a church in New Jersey, as well as uh, having a history as a church planter. He is an educator and also a father. So we're glad to have Jonathan on our team. 
So our team is very much looking forward to an incredible year ahead, and we've secured a phenomenal lineup of presenters to share with you in the coming months. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. Well, today we have two of my most favorite people on planet Earth to share with you, but they are not here because I love them so very much. Uh, No, we have invited our guests today because when our team determined today's topic, which is raising boys, I couldn't think of another couple who I've personally watched and admired so much as they uh, have been on their parenting journey. For almost three decades, I have watched them raise their sons into incredible godly men who all serve the Lord. They lead their homes and families with integrity, and they're raising their own children in the faith. So today we are honored uh, to have our very first guests on this podcast, Dr. William and Angela Lamb. Hey, friends, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, we're excited about being with you guys. And I'm delighted that Angela can be alongside me. She doesn't get to do that every day in our ministry work, but today she does. Yeah, so we are, again, so honored to have my friends with us today. Uh, Let me give you kind of the official introduction to Dr. Lamb and Angela, and then we're going to jump into some questions about their journey as parents of three boys. Dr. William Lamb is in his 21st year as a member of the administrative staff at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. There he leads a diverse and uh, global service learning program for college students. He is the founder and host of ServeCast, which is a bi-weekly podcast. In addition, he is an assistant professor of leadership development, teaches courses pertaining to Christian benevolence and global missions in the School of Religion at Lee University. He teaches online courses in the areas of value-based and missional leadership. Dr. Lamb also leads international cross-cultural trips for students and teaches at the seminary in Guatemala. He is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and volunteered for 16 years as an emergency services chaplain. Dr. Lamb holds a BA in Religious Studies, a Master's of Arts in Youth and Family Ministry, and a PhD in Organizational Leadership. He is the co-author of Answers to Questions Youth Workers, Parents, and Pastors Ask, as well as a new book called Trek On, The Journey of Discipleship, which we'll discuss at the end of our podcast. He is frequently published in the areas of service, teamwork, and leadership. Dr. Lamb is a TEDx speaker, search that up on YouTube, and he shares in a variety of audiences, including business and not-for-profit sectors, as well as educational institutions and churches. He is a past member of the Tennessee Governor's Commission on Volunteerism and Service and supports others, and he is on many boards and committees, both domestically and internationally. He's a bishop with our organization, the Church of God of Prophecy, and an ordained chaplain with the Church of God. In addition to Dr. Lamb is his wife, Angela. They have three sons and daughters-in-law, Tyler and Megan, Nick and Caitlin, and Ben and Lexi. They all reside in Cleveland, Tennessee. And boy, is he a proud papa of three little lambs, Everly, Elijah, and Grant. And as we mentioned there toward the end, we are so honored to have Dr. Lamb's wife, Angela, with us. Angela has worked in the home as well as outside the home, serving also at Lee University, and she is an equally proud grandmother. So hello, Will and Angela. Thank you again for joining us today. Man, we've got our fourth grandbaby on the way, it looks like. So let's just move that from three to four, okay? (laughs) Oh, wow. Breaking news here on our first podcast. That's awesome. You know, uh, I do want to say I have admired you guys so much in your parenting. You've been a great example for my wife and I. We don't have boys, though. We just have girls. 
but boy, it's really come full circle for me just this week. Um, I worked with uh, Will and Angela's boys in youth camp for many years, later in children's ministry in our local church. And this Sunday, for the very first time, I had their grandson, Grant, in my class. And I have been telling Grant for years, we are going to be best friends. And I think we are. So, (laughs) So, all right. Well, William and Angela, thank you again for being with us today. So let's kick off. We have some questions for you. We just want to begin by giving our listeners a framework of of both of you and your history in the church. So would you mind telling us maybe just a little bit about your faith, what formed you as a child, and uh, your experiences either growing up in the church or maybe how your faith developed later in life? Okay, I will begin. I um, have a very fine heritage and uh, that I'm so thankful for and and uh, um, and proud of. But my grandma, Calfee, uh, she was a pastor, and so my parents, before they had me, attended uh, the Madisonville Church with her, and uh, so. So then when I was born, that was my first church to God of Prophecy Church was the Madisonville Church. In Tennessee. In Tennessee. And but we commuted from Cleveland. And uh, then after that, my sister was born about 21 months later. Uh, Mom said it got a little more difficult to take two uh, little girls that far uh, to travel to church. So we then started attending Spring Place Church, which was a church that my grandmother actually chartered. Uh, and started in a uh, a chicken house, to be uh, exact. And um, so I grew up at the Spring Place Church of God of Prophecy here in Cleveland uh, at the um, age of seven-ish. Um, I don't know what time of the year uh, that was. But anyway, at the age of seven, I, that, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I to this day, I remember it. It was in a children's church revival uh, that we had at our church. And uh, Elsie Johnson was our children's minister, and uh, I just, I I can still envision the place, the what the space, what it looked like, all of the things, and I knew that that God had changed my, my heart at such a young age. A couple of years later, I was baptized in uh, uh, what was called the Ledford Lake here in uh, the area. You know, we would go to a lake. There was about nine of us children that got baptized that day together. And then two years after that, at about the age of 11, I became a member of the Church of God of Prophecy. And uh, and so that was in 1976. So I We're old. We're old. <laughs> numbers, right? We're old. So I had uh, uh, probably uh, before uh, uh, a long time. I have been a member of the Church of God of Prophecy and um, have been right here in Cleveland. And uh, I think that uh, to answer the question about my faith, it was it was just modeled before me with, with my parents. Um, you know, we lost our dad three months ago yesterday, actually, or we buried him three months ago. No, he actually passed three months ago yesterday. And um just the the modeling that I had of my parents, but then my grandmother too, she just poured into me like she knew that she didn't have long. And she died at the age of 67. And I, I got so much from her as well. So I just feel that they helped to shape me and to guide me and to, to put me on a right, good path uh, of, uh, of a good faith-based life. Hey, Sean, you know, um, Jonathan, Joy, we, we grew up... 
I, I grew up in Georgia. My dad was a pastor for, I think, 51 years before he officially retired and, and, and wasn't able to uh, to do ministry at, at the level he could or wanted to at that point. Um, but I, I accepted the Lord at a young age. Now, I might be a little bit honest with you today and said I had to re-accept re the Lord and maybe re-accept the Lord a couple of other times. You know, um, people like Angela, you know, she gets it right the first time and it stays. But for me, I had to do a little redo every once in a while, maybe. Um, actually, I did once or twice. But here's the deal. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a wonderful home. My parents were very committed to uh, to the Lord first, and they were committed to ministry, and they taught me, and that's something we were able to bring together because of our blessings with our heritage from both sides, um, the desire and the hunger to help our kids, number one, to know God first, and then secondly, out of knowing God first, is their responsibility to serve others. Yeah, you know, Angela, you just mentioned to us your father passing just a few months ago, and uh, I went to the funeral for for your dad. And it was such an incredible service, really. I don't know that I've ever experienced anything like it. Everybody knows I live pretty loud on social media. I was dying to share about the funeral. because, <laughs> And I, I didn't out of respect for your family. But I'll never forget at the end of that service, the whole family gathering around your dad's casket to sing a song yeah. together in honor of him. And I just saw a vision of what I want for my family, you know, at the end of my life. What a testimony to have all of your children, all of your grandchildren to be standing there testifying that they are walking in the ways of the Lord. It was just yeah. such a powerful moment. So I know you both come from from wonderful homes. So thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your sons and how you came about with your family. When did you start having a family together? Um, how were they the same? How were they different? I I'm very curious. I have three boys uh, mm -hmm. right now. Um, and I would have said that I'm going to be uh, a, a dad just to boys. However, that has changed because we are <laughs> expecting our girl in July. Um, Come on. <laughs> so I'll hold, the, I'll hold the fort for just a few more months. That's um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear from you about that. We were... We felt like that we got married a, a little older than most were at that time, uh, and we got married in 1988, and I I always wanted children. Uh, to be quite honest, my the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a mom and a wife. That's a wife first, and then a mom. There you go. That's good. <laughs> that, that's, all, that's all I ever... That was my biggest ambition. I'm, I'm just telling the truth. And uh, so we got married in 88... And uh, we're ready to go ahead and start our family. Uh, we did lose our first um, pregnancy, and that was uh, uh, in eighty the, later in eighty nine. And then, uh, but then God blessed us, and we were able. We did not have any other trouble after that. We had Tyler in May of ninety. Uh, Tyler Bennett, and then we had uh, Nicholas. Well. He goes by Nick. He changed his name. He and Ben both changed their names in third grade because they didn't want to have to write in cursive that whole big old long name. Uh, that was too daunting. And uh, I had declared they couldn't shorten their name and they begged. And so I gave in to both of them uh, on the day they had to learn cursive, which now I guess no kids have to learn that. But anyway. So here's a good lesson for you, Jonathan. You got to pick your battles. Yes. And that wasn't one of the battles that she was willing to pick. Right. So she gave in on that. Now she's held held the line on a lot of other ones. Yeah. 
So I still do refer to them as Nicholas. Nicholas Ron was born April 92. Uh, and then Benjamin Caleb was born January 1st of 94. So when I, we had Benjamin, uh, Tyler was just three and a half. So the boys are very close in age. Um, they are typically age order children. If you read read up on that, uh, Tyler is is the daddy. He's he the is, other dad. Yeah. He always abided by the rules. He was um, just on the straight and narrow, and he tried to keep the other two on that. But a lot of times they could overtake that. Uh, uh, Nicholas is uh, our very adventurous one, and Benjamin pretty much does anything that they challenged him to do. So I kind of always called it uh, there was a, a, a lot of brain power when the three of them got together because what one thought of, the other one upped it a little bit, and then the other one did it. So uh, that's what you have with three boys. But what you're hearing from this, and this is – I will attribute this to Angela because she was privileged at that point to be a stay-at-home mom. And the thing that you're hearing is that she created an atmosphere for those boys to want to be around each other. So it wasn't like, okay, you can go over here, you can go over there, you can go over there. No. When she would get them home from school, you know, um, either sometimes they'd ride the bus, sometimes she'd pick them up. But when they got together, that was very intentional moments where Angela spent time listening to those three boys. And now as a result of it, we hear from them on a regular basis, just about most of the times, you know, throughout multiple times in the day, but at least several times during the week, you know, they'll drop by or we'll see them or hear them because that communication early on kind of made a, a, a place of connection for us as a family. And that probably is one of the things that we really was very important to us is to, instill community between them. They, and it was easy uh, because they were close in age. So they had a lot of similarities. They could, they could do, we could do a lot of the same things, you know. Um, and so uh, we built community there, uh, make, helping them to become best friends. And I think sometimes as a parent of a very young child, that is something that you have to, you have to help them because they sometimes just you think, oh, they're just family. They're just they're just my brother. They're just no, they are your best friend. And so that is one of the things that I told them itty bitty early on. You have a built in best friend for life, you know, and so you can instill that in your children from the very beginning and never let them feel like that the new baby is is a nuisance or the new baby stole their place. And actually, all three of those boys, until Tyler went to college, stayed in the same bedroom from the early days. Literally, they had, uh, we, we built a house a few, la- few years later after they were born. And, with a bigger and, room. With a bigger room, and they were all three in the same room until until Tyler went to college, and then Nick and Ben in the same room. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's ways that parents can make choices that would create um, an atmosphere for the for kids to want to be together. Yes, and I did not know that about the boys sharing a room. So that kind of cracks me up a little bit. <laughs> but people can look and they can say, "You have these great boys; they're sweet." But I wanted to kind of ask. Obviously, there were probably some harder points in raising and teaching your kids and instilling faith in them. So, would you share with us? What do you remember as being some of the greatest challenges? One thing that we did is we just brought other adults into their lives intentionally uh, and introduced them at a young age. And and then 
had those people, these people are praying for you, you know, these people, so that they had other adults that they, because see, what children, a lot of times, they don't care to disappoint their parents, because parents going to love them no matter what, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to cry, you're going to hug them and, and love them and say, okay, I forgive you, and you're going to go on, and you're going to sometimes forget the little things, and you just go on. But to disappoint someone that is not your mama or your daddy is a little bit harder for a child to do. They're going to fake it till they make it on that end. And so uh, we brought people into their lives. We would invite them to their birthday parties. And it was every generation like they had good grandparents. So we were not replacing any family members. We were bringing people in to become more of a family, more of a of a, an accountability group that they could see walk the faith for many years. They could see, I can do this at this age. I can do this at that age and just keep going uh, along the way. So, so the joy of that was being able to watch as they develop their connectivity with other people. I think the biggest challenge for us was learning how to parent at various stages of life. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you guys, you know, Sean, Jonathan, there's going to be a day when you, you, you're, uh, man, your advice yourself, you know, delivered, you know, advice that they're not asking you for. Um, you might have to learn how to offer that in a whole different way. And so we, we, we survived the challenge of learning how to communicate and how to, to listen more, speak less. That was very important as the students, as students, as our kids got older, it was very important for us because, um, I get paid to talk, which is pretty cool, you know, so sometimes I have to realize that it's okay for me not to talk so much and to listen. Uh, one of my sons actually told me one time, he said, Dad, and he was older, he was probably 20, maybe 25 recently, and he was like, you know, Dad, he said, um, have you ever thought about maybe asking me something instead of telling me what to do, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm the dad, dude, let me tell you something, you know, I haven't been thinking about that. But let me let me go ahead and try to work on it. You know what I'm saying? So I raised my voice in that because I wanted you to see that exchange between the two of us. And it was Nick. And he taught me a very valuable lesson that day. You know, as parents, the challenge is, Joy, we have to mature or we have to learn how to parent as the kids are maturing and developing. And if a parent's not willing to do that, man, they're going to struggle down the road because you're building a friendship that you want to last for the long haul. You talked about the um, being intentional, and I keep hearing that word, intentional communication, right? Intentional moments in adults uh, in the lives of our, of our children. Um, and I, I appreciate when you talked about listening more. Um, there are times that we will need to speak. Uh, there are times that we'll, we will need to uh, train and, and support them. Talk to me a little bit about uh, how those moments look different as your children got older and now grown men um, with their own families. Uh, what are some things that we could take away that you help them to train themselves of to be godly? I think for me, part of it is maybe starting to ask them questions. Uh, let them answer a question that, you know, then that also makes them accountable to their own um, faith and their own, you know, how, how, how would you work through this? How did, how do you feel about this? Do you think this is right? Uh, if, if you're, if you're questioning something that they, a choice that they're making or something about, 
how do you, you know, tell me how you feel about this. Uh, one of the things I said to my boys a lot of times, if they, if they wanted, well, one was not based on faith, but when Benjamin wanted to quit college, uh, we had uh, just kept pressing him, pressing him, pressing him. And I said to him, and I said this phrase many times with many different things, I said, convince me that that's what you need to do, you know. And so a lot of times when they are so set on something, hear them out, hear hear what their mind is thinking, because, you know, we were 30, 25 to 30 years older than our children. And so so my mind is quite a bit thinking quite a bit different than their mind is because I'm looking into the future and I'm seeing the ripple effect. They're not capable of seeing any ripple effect. They're living in the now, the right now. It's how I feel. They're living more on feelings. They're living a lot more on what other people are thinking of them. And so once that they start expressing uh, why they're, you know, asking them questions, letting them talk back to you is a little bit easier uh, to uh, then give them advice uh, because then you're you just take what they say, turn it back to them. And and I think too, Jonathan, um, man, I, I really want every minister that's going to hear hear this podcast. I really want you to tune in for just a minute. Your family is more important than your ministry. And hear me well. You know, there were times when 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 our boys. I remember going visiting. You know, and visiting people that were sick. You know, once when I was on staff at a church, and and I would take the boys with me. They always had. They were always part of the ministry. It wasn't William, Angela, and three sons. It was the Lambs, and we were all part of it. And one of the things we had to do until they became of age that they could really understand how to, you know, discern and and recognize. Um, discussions and people's behaviors, a lot of the times we would guard them from some of the issues and problems that we were going through in the ministry. Um, we would we would guard our conversations to not speak negative or not speak, you know, we weren't, we weren't being different groups of people in different locations. We were just being honest because they couldn't handle some of the ugly that we were having to walk through with people, right? Well, the reality is, as a result of that, um, they never hated, man, I can't remember a single time, Angela, that our boys hated church or didn't want to be at church. They didn't. It was part of their community second to their family yes. and before everything else. And, you know, so I think at, as a minister and as a family, and of course, general regular folk too, but the, the, the key is, is making sure you include your children in whatever you're doing. Every time include them in whatever you're doing um, at whatever level that they can, that they can participate. I have a question for you, and I actually pulled up. I, I'm sorry, Angela, to keep going back to the funeral of your father, but I wrote down a quote from the funeral that was shared, and it was uh, something, a quote attributed to your mother. And it says this, this moment is temporary, but what you do with it is eternal. Yes. And um, thinking about the lives of our kids, you know, I've been... I've been a father now for 17 years, but I've been in children's ministry for 35 years. And so I know good being, at it. That being around kids, um, I've learned they go through seasons of life. They have phases as they grow up. And so many times as a parent, I've had to remind myself of that old phrase, you know, it's just a phase. We're going to get through this. Um so uh, for the parents who are listening out there um, who are going through just different seasons of life, 
maybe they need a little reassurance. We've talked so positively really here about your experience as parents, but um, as you think about those phases or seasons of life, was there a time that you recall an age or phase that was just really difficult in raising boys? You know, we mentioned earlier about this idea of building relationships with your kids. And I think that the key for us, it, it was in those, you know, difficult times. And there have been some of those, but the thing that that we, I guess we could always count on, you know, Proverbs talks about this whole idea of train a child in the way it should be, or, you know, when they get old, they're not going to depart from it. Sure, there's thousands of stories of children who have left the faith and separated themselves from their families. But the scripture principle, I think, remains the same. If you train your children, and I like to use this term, where the right access door is, then they may be somewhere in a pig pen, if you want to use the Luke image, they may be in a pig pen somewhere, you know, um, wallowing around in their their difficulty, but they're going to know where the access door is. And for us, man, I almost get emotional about it when I think about it, because for us, there was never a moment in our life that our children came to us with difficulties or celebrations that we didn't celebrate with them or weep with them. There was never a moment that we didn't know at the immediate moment. It might not have been able to have really delved into it right then. Might have had to wait an hour, 30 minutes or a day or something like that to really revisit it. But man, there was never a moment that they came to us that we couldn't embrace that moment of where they were. And I think for parents, that that's big time today, man. If you can learn how to embrace your kids. Um, you know, I still hug my boys and my boys still hug me and it, it's cool. It's cool. Too. Another thing is, is, is using the accountability of the other folks that you're bringing into their world. They knew that they would come and tell us anything because they were like, somebody's going to tell you. There you go. So mm-hmm. you've got, they were accountable to other people. So they knew Somebody was bound to see that I got pulled over last night, you know, or or something like that. So they call almost while the cop was there, you know, <laughs> hey, dad, I'm getting a ticket. I was speeding again or whatever. And so that was just another thing of having that accountability all around is then they wanted to tell us first. They didn't want somebody else to tell us. It's kind of like getting in trouble at school. You get in trouble when you get home. Well, if if somebody else told us something and we had to confront them with them, that was a lot harder on them than them coming forward. And then I think that that in turn, them coming always forward and the door always being open. And like William said, I think that it made them be able in other life instances, always be able to confess, you know, and to know. And then I think that in turn goes to their faith. They can confess to the Lord, you know, this is what I've done. God, please forgive me. And those sort of things. And let me take one 30 seconds here, Joy. I want to go back to what you asked earlier. And one of the challenges is for a parent, like right now, um, my boys all, they, they, they go to their family first, right? Each of the individuals before they will come to us, typically, they're going to talk to their spouse, you know, and they're going to spend time with their family. And, and we get a lot of time with our kids and we're grateful for that. And our daughter-in-laws, man, we we are blessed beyond what comprehension can even provide for us because we know we're, we're blessed way beyond that. But, but the reality is you want to create an atmosphere where your kids see you as parents, something they want to replicate in their own life. And fortunately, our boys at this stage and their brides, and they 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 make their family first. They want to be in the in the closeness and the connectivity with their family. And then obviously, you know, they honor us and we're thankful for that. But 
but that's a that's a cool part of the of the whole process is watching yeah. now what's being replicated that we taught them. I know your family. I see the fruit in your family's life, the spiritual rhythms, as that's kind of like a, a term that we like to use. And so I wanted to ask, as you were parenting, though, what did those rhythms, those practices, maybe it was prayer, scripture reading, scripture memory. I know that's important, Angela, for you and your mom. What did that look like? in your home and what worked and what didn't. Cause we know, I know as a children's pastor, sometimes we teach kids things and it's, it's a great idea, but we need practical tools and things to, to help model that. I think some of us learn behavior. I, all of it, I guess is learned behavior. And for us, I grew up in a home where when I was 15 years old, my dad was praying out loud. He thought God was deaf. You know, he was playing really loud, like really early in the morning, you know? And so, um, I guess I passed on that a little bit, you know, in the early days to to my to my sons too. But the thing that Anza and I, I was thinking about these two words, heritage and legacy. Heritage is what's been given to you, and legacy is what you leave. Now we were given a tremendous amount of heritage with our parents and things we've talked about that we've kind of built into our kids. But now what we're seeing is that we've built legacy and then they're taking responsibility for the heritage that they had received. And so I think for us, the rhythm and the discipline, you know, was the reality of Angela made an intention every day to read. She does this now with our grandchildren to read to them, reading scripture, you know, um, we would pray about everything. It would almost seem silly, you know, but before we would do anything that was major in our family, we would pray, you know, um, we would obviously meet together. And as they got older, we would pray for specific needs of other people that they knew. And now we're getting texts and calls from our boys. Hey, pray for my friend here, pray for my friend there, you know? So the rhythms were prayer and and word every day at some point during the day. Two of our children were saved at home and it was at a nighttime, uh, came home from a really good service. And uh, they were like, then they wanted to talk about it. And uh, so I was able to pray two of them uh, with them to be saved at home. Uh, the other was actually at an assembly um, in her hotel room. Uh, Benjamin was all of four years old, but he understood and how I knew that he really got it. As soon as he got through praying, he said, I need to tell me mom. And it let me know that God had done a work in him because he wanted to tell somebody. And so uh, you know, they got they got the prayer thing. And I think that that prayer is is just so important. And, and we're able to see now with um, Everly, Elijah and Grant, we actually have been in their atmosphere when all three of those kids have prayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just literally can actually pray at this age. And that's man, you you don't get that by by somebody telling you get that. You get that by experiencing it. And in order for you to experience it, it's got to be modeled for you. And um, consistency. Yeah, on a regular basis, because kids are kids are learning what you're not doing as much as they're learning what you are doing. And so uh, I want to say something to parents, Sean, if I can, for just a minute. Hey, listen, as parents, the sacrifice is really on you. Mm-hmm. Man, you you got to sacrifice more than you require of your children to sacrifice. You know, uh, especially if you got little kids, who's going to? Who's going to, to lose sleep, you know, when a kid's up in the middle of the night, right? The parent. Don't just, don't, and, and, and as your kids mature and get older, you know, and they go through bigger real life issues, 
um, because they know that you have been sacrificing on their behalf, man, they're going to trust your voice and they're going to listen to you. And that's what you want to do, Jonathan, is you want to build the atmosphere where your voice is trusted um, and, and, and wanted, not just trusted. I mean, you, our kids want to hear from us. And for that, and another it's thing, and another thing is protecting your children. Big time. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that really grieves me is when I see a parent that is not taking parenting seriously, and your child is all that you have. You're building them up, and I basically have told our children when they got of age, which was like I felt was about eighteen or nineteen. I said because uh, that's when they really started like going to college, and then they were doing things more on their own, doing individual things, not. And I said to them, I said, all your life, we have protected you. We have guarded you. We have built you up. We have set you on a on the platform. It's up to you to hang on to that reputation. And, and if you don't, that's on you. We've done everything to get you to there. And you have to do that for your small children because no one else is going to have the faith in them that you do. Uh, you're the one, you're their best cheerleader. And so don't give up that opportunity to build them up and to, to make them feel like a million bucks every day. And, uh, and, but also let them know when they're, you know, you got to discipline them. Discipline is the thing. And uh, being consistent, disciplined, teaching them to communicate to others, teaching them to look people in the eye, never hold their head down, hold their chin up. Uh, all of these things are things that make uh, your, your children a better adult. Let me wrap this little section up right here that you asked, Joy, with this statement. Man, you got to model forgiveness. Don't keep scoring. Don't hold grudges. Mm -hmm. we, we just have never, Sean, we've never done that. We don't do that to this day. And if you keep score as a parent and you're trying to, you know, um, even out everything, man, no, you're called to sacrifice, raise your children, honor them, teach them how to honor others. And I got a sneaky suspicion. If you do that right, you're going to win. You're going to win. Great challenge. Great word. So we definitely believe the parents are the primary disciples of their kids Faith should begin in the home. The church is there to support it. Uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier that there were other people that have um, influenced the faith of your kids. Um, so I wonder if you would take just a minute or two just to dive deep about some of those other relationships that really impacted your sons and helped them to grow and mature in the faith. Or, or maybe to those who are listening, what are some of those relationships that they need to help cultivate? In children's ministry, we call it sticky faith. Um, we believe, you know, every child needs at least five other adults in the life outside of their family that are investing in them. So as uh, you're talking to parents out there, who are some of those relationships that they can cultivate or invite into the lives of their kids to impact their faith? I, I think that it, it became different. It was different people as the boys were growing up. It was just different people within our circle. So we have, in the life of our children, in the life of our marriage, we have only attended three churches. Uh, the first being um, uh, all in Cleveland. And so at each of those churches, there became people that they would, it would be like a Sunday school teacher or someone. And then we would, we would kind of, kind of encourage a relationship, not like 
go to their house or anything like that, but just like this weekly interaction with that person. Tell them, tell them what you did uh, at school. Tell them about your accomplishments. And so in, encouraging a relationship and teaching them how to have a relationship. And then what would end up happening is, is that elderly person then would come up, hey, have you done anything fun? Have you done any, you know? And so then they're like, oh, they ask me, you know? And so then that's how the relationship started developing. Uh, and then it became people like uh, that would uh, frequent our home, you know? And so we would just, we would kind of push them towards a relationship. Children don't know how to interact with adults most of the time if they're not talked to. And so we always taught our kids to do that. You know, you you don't have to be afraid. Uh, you know, of course, we did the stranger danger, all that stuff. But uh, you don't have to be afraid to speak to someone older than you. And uh, they're just as human as you are. And, uh, and so it was just teaching them how to have a relationship with other people other than family is kind of how... I think that's how that came about. I love that. And I, I even see now how your your sons and their, their wives are also relational, bringing others, generations, even alongside of them in their, in their own lives. And kind of wanted to go into their next question with that. All of your sons now, as you should be very proud and happy about, are involved in church and they're involved in ministry. So how has this blessed you? Like when you look at them, I'm sure there's moments when you have that that love and that smile, seeing and witnessing that. So how has it blessed you as parents and grandparents now? Sometimes it is it is so overwhelming uh, that you you don't you just want to just you're just thanking God because you know God had a big part of it. And uh and it is it's to see, you know, I, I read a thing one time uh, for my children to to see my children know the Lord is the greatest blessing or something like that. And it truly is. It is. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth uh, being consistent. It's worth, uh, you know, I don't think our kids ever, ever once said, are we going to church today? You know, never once did they say that. Um you know, it, is this a church day? They knew that that was just never a question, but never did we say, okay, this is what you got to do. You know, no, we just did it. And, uh, and to see them do that now and to see them show up like they do, uh, uh, you know, to see them park where they park in the parking lot, it just warms my heart. I will, I will tell them I'm so proud of you. They're like I said, they're in their thirties, and I I told I just told one this past told both of them this two weeks ago. Your mama recognizes where you parked in the parking lot, and it will be the very last parking space, and or feathers. And uh, I said, your mama noticed. Thank you, mama. You know, and uh, but they they wouldn't know to do that if they hadn't been told. You know, there's no 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 greater joy I don't think in the heart of a parent than to know that their kids were serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. And all three of our sons and their brides, you know, our man, our, our daughter-in-laws, they, they're gifted with the gift of hospitality and of course, worship and music and, and all those kinds of things. And, and 
it's just joyful for us because I know that that they could be doing anything else with that time and could be making being incredibly successful in other areas with that time. But they choose to value that because their heart is with God first and they're serving others second and out of that relationship with God. So it greatest joy for me is watching my boys. Tyler was just installed as um as a youth pastor. That was, I didn't see that one coming. He, he's now the youth pastor at um at uh Redemption to the Nations Church here in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is really exciting to see that. I'm like, I I did not see that one coming, but all of a sudden God just decided to do that. And and uh Nick and Ben are so involved in our local church and in ministry and service and music and work and yeah. um and the youth department. And so, you know, the thing is, goes back to the Proverbs passage. We trained them up. We left them to the Lord. Man, we get to celebrate a lot of days. So, so I want to I want to speak to the parents who are mourning today. Maybe you're listening to this and you're not celebrating. Maybe your children come home, close the door. Maybe there's no communication. Maybe there's no relationship. Keep trying. Keep praying. Keep sacrificing, mm-hmm. keep trusting, keep modeling, keep believing, keep hoping, because God can do what you and I can't do. But man, we can sure manage it well if we are in the part of trusting and giving and modeling before the Lord. Have we wept before? Yes, many times. Have we been wounded? Yes. Um, have we had to forgive? Absolutely. But man, each of us were also wept over and celebrated over and forgiven. And so we learned to do that. It worked. Our kids learned to do it. Our grandkids are learning to do it. So, um, and for the past, or for the for the parents that are listening that have a glass window house that everybody wants to be like you, take some other families in. Make time to spend with other families. So they can learn up close and personal what you're doing right. Angela said it a while ago. You create the right environment, man, it, it, this is going to be replicated every single time. Well, William and Angela, thank you for your time today. Do you guys have any last final words of advice that you'd like to share specifically about parenting boys or anything you wish that we, that maybe you knew when you were younger in the middle of it all? It's a teamwork effort. It's not an individual effort. If as, as husband and wife, make sure that you've got unity and camaraderie between the two of you first, because your children eventually will notice it if you don't. Mm-hmm. They may not in the early years, but they're going to notice it. Now, I'm not talking about that everything's got to be perfect because it it's not like that. It's not perfect for us. She's perfect. I'm not. But but not the reality, <laughs> but the reality is. You know, you, you got to make sure as parents that you're together, that your 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 motives are right, your belief systems are right. They're together, they're connected, and um, you know, you never you never go against your spouse to let your children off the hook. What she would say, I would uphold. What I would say, she would uphold. Um, and so it's it's a team effort as a husband and wife, and otherwise. Otherwise, you're just going to create a lot of dissonance in what we're trying to create is resonance. Mm-hmm. But we're really excited because I have in my hand a brand new book written by Dr. Lamb 
called Trek On, The Journey of a Disciple. It's a great book, a great read, uh, all about discipleship. Through it, he shares about eight uh, essential characteristics of a disciple. So, Will, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your book um, for those who haven't heard about it? Thank you, Sean. I'm excited about the book. It's uh, the idea of the greatest marathon we'll ever run in our life is the marathon of being a disciple. And um, honestly, much of what we've been talking about today and how families can stay together in the faith and develop and mature in the faith is largely on the biblical context and the biblical principle of being a disciple. You know, we obviously give our heart to Jesus, but if we um, just stay at that level, then we're not able to develop to where we need to be in order to provide um, a life that is reflecting him in all areas. And so I take that word and I, I talk about discipline, intimacy, seeking, commitment, integrity, purity, loyalty, and I end with evangelism. If those first seven characteristics are in your life, then obviously you're going to be prone to the idea of evangelism. And so it's written a little narrative in a narrative, um, kind of like a, a runner, because I have have some history in marathon running. And so it's this idea that, you know, it's not a one and done, it's not a destination. You know, this is a, a journey of a lifetime. And um, don't run it by yourself. Invite someone else along on the journey with you. And I think about chapter four, I think chapter four, I shift from the terminology of a believer to a Christ follower. A lot of times, you know, um, a lot of people in our present day will refer to themselves as a believer. But are they Christ followers? Are they really digging into developing themselves in the faith so they can become teachers and presenters and educators in the faith. I, I get the privilege to work with students every day, and I use this phrase on a regular basis, learn well so you can teach well. Learn well so you can teach well. Um, so, you know, there's a cool thing about the book. At the end of every chapter, there's a QR code. The QR code goes directly to a landing page on our website, relationalleadershipessentials.org, relationalleadershipessentials.org. And that um, QR code would take you to a landing page where there's going to be um, three areas of questions, questions for leaders, questions um, for students, and questions for parents. And these are questions that are talking about the actual chapter that you just read. And uh, it's kind of a deep dive opportunity. We've got churches that are buying these to take their leadership through. We've got one church that's buying them to take their, um, their students through. You know, So it's a great resource for that. For that reason, and we have a companion journal. It's not done yet, but it'll be out soon. And the companion journal is a 40-day journal that goes alongside it. So Trek On, The Journey of a Disciple, it's a great resource for personal growth, but also to do together with a church or a small group. So, Will, how do they access your book? Yeah, you can go to relationalleadershipessentials.org, and there's a, there's a link there that will take them straight to a, a landing page where they can purchase the book. Okay, excellent. And we will include that link on the show notes for today's podcast. Boy, it's been a lengthy but a great conversation. And we're so grateful to those of you who are listening, as well as to our guests, William and Angela Lamb. Uh, I wonder uh, to wrap us up here, Will, would you mind praying for everybody who's listening now? You you mentioned, and I know you have a heart, not only for those people who have a great relationship with their kids, but those who are maybe struggling and having some difficulties. So would you maybe wrap us up with a word of prayer here? Father, I love you, and I thank you that you show me and teach me how to love. I thank you that 
Angela and I have had the privilege and the opportunity, and Lord, you have blessed us tremendously with our sons and our daughter-in-laws and now our grandchildren. Lord, I realize that there may be some people listening to this podcast today that don't have the wonderful heritage that I was gifted and that which I'm actually building and leaving over to my own children. But I pray, Lord, that they have you. They have the source of heaven that's the greatest source of all. And so I pray that for the parent that might be weeping or crying now, I pray, God, that you would draw them in close to you and that they would find harmony and peace in their relationship with you first. And then you will out of that, Lord, give um, harmony and peace in their home with their spouse, or maybe it's a single parent, and they're just trying to get by. Lord, you love us all, and you care for all of us, and you want us to be um, reflections and, and, and hope representation to a world of chaos and craziness. So now I pray that by the power of your presence and your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to um, move in ways that we cannot even know how it's done, but Lord, it happens because of your watchful and caring eye and loving heart for all of us. I pray for grandparents, Lord, give them supernatural energy at this stage in their life that they would be able to invest in in, in their grandchildren. I pray for grandparents that are raising their grandchildren where parents are absent. I pray, God, that you would just bring peace and hope into the lives of those children, Lord, that are being raised by their grandparents. Lord, I pray that you would send a, a burden into all of us to, number one, Lord, that we would seek after you first. And then, Lord, we would recognize that even though that's an individual approach, it's not been intended to be lived in an individual lifestyle. Put us in community. Put us in fellowship. Put us, Lord, together with people that we can grow and learn and challenge and hold accountable. And, and uh, Lord, out of those relationships Lord, would come just wonderful stories. I pray that this incredible team at, at our at our international headquarters, Lord, that these these folks in children's ministry, Lord, everyone associated with it, I pray, God, that you would give them multiplied harvest, Lord, the work that they're doing, that they go somewhere, they teach, they train, and Lord, all of a sudden they, they leave and may never get a chance to go back in that particular location. Lord, let stories be pouring in of lives that were changed because of their good work in the kingdom. Father, we ask this now that you would do what we cannot do. Discipline us and help us and train us, Lord, to do what we can. But Lord, now we render it to you and say, Lord, you can do what we can't. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, William and Angela, for being with us today. Thank you to everybody who's joined us on this episode. We hope you'll join us for our next episode, which will be on Raising Girls. Thanks again. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our ministries, resources, and conferences that equip the home and the church to serve kids, visit our website at cogop.org children. Music